Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Church is good this morning. I'm having a great time here. <laughs> had a great time Friday night. had a great time meeting with some of the community and serve team leaders yesterday morning. And a great time this morning here worshiping the Lord with you. And like the theme, one of the themes for me from the weekend is just the Lord is speaking across the board. You know what I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't only speak through me and Mary Lee with the pastoral staff. He speaks to you. And some of the most encouraging moments from the weekend is hearing what he's saying to you as you share it with, with us, with the family. So keep up the good work, New Day. Keep hearing his voice. <laughs> well, like Mary Lee said, this is the, our third and final week in a series called Faith Renovation. I love the ark. Man, I just, seeing it from here, like, wow, okay. I just feel like this is a great view of you all. You're some good-looking people. All right, New Day. All right. I see you. <laughs> what was that? Where was that? <laughs> Faith Renovation, week three. So um, we talked about this series, you know, that we renovate our faith, our beliefs, what we understand of God and ourselves and the world, like you renovate a house, right? And I brought some home renovation pictures to help sort of get that picture flowing in your mind. And we talked about how this series is for some different types of people. For those undergoing major renovation, for those who are doing ongoing sort of maintenance renovations, upkeep of your faith, what you believe, you're maturing, you're growing as a disciple of Jesus. And for outgoing renovation guides, this is those of us who are helping one another along the journey as we deal with questions or doubts or the stuff of life as it comes and goes. And it's a great series if you're considering Christianity. If you're not too sure about Jesus yet, but you're considering him, you know, each week I've made a point to show how Jesus shows up for those who need him in the moments when they need him the most. And we'll review that here in a moment too. So the first week, it was Thomas. He's one of Jesus' disciples, and after Jesus had died and he was buried, he rose again and appeared to the disciples, but not Thomas. (laughs) He wasn't there for it. And so he's like, hey, I'm not going to believe it until I see Jesus' hands with the the nails uh, holes in them, until I put my hand in his side where he was pierced with the spear. I'm not going to believe it. And the poor guy had to wait a week. (laughs) That's rough. But when Jesus appears, he's like, Thomas, here. You can have what you ask for. I'll give you my hands. Right? Imagine that. Here's my hand. You can touch it. It's okay. Jesus was there for him with an extended nailed scarred hand. Then we talked about deconstruction. It's a phenomenon in our culture. And what it does is it takes ideas apart and starts to reinterpret them, often based on our own experiences. And then we contrasted that with what we call renovation. Faith renovation is updating and adapting and even maintaining our faith in alignment with the truth. And those are two different things. We talked about three unworthy standards of truth in the first week. Our moral intuition. You know, when you read the Bible and you're like, that doesn't jive. I'm I'm not too sure about that. Why would God do that? Why would he allow somebody to do this? Why would he let that happen? Our moral intuition gets offended sometimes, but it's an unworthy standard of truth, right? It's based on me. Do I really, does my moral intuition really rise above the God who created the universe and judge him? We said, that's not a good 
standard of truth. Neither are my feelings. Remember, I had a simple equation for you because I like to be engineering sometimes. Caloric intake often equals <laughs> my feelings. <laughs> the lack thereof means grumpy feelings. <laughs> Family members, feel free to laugh. No? Okay, good. <laughs> Our feelings are so fickle, aren't they? You know, like I was tired this morning. Even with an extra hour of sleep, I was tired and kind of groggy. But God is the same. And I came back into alignment. My feelings came back into alignment with that and who he was as we worshiped him. That's a great example. The third unworthy standard of truth is the social imaginary. You can go read a book by Carl Truman all about that. It's really technical. You may not want to. But it's basically saying culture, right? The culture around you that you're not necessarily like consuming it or trying to take it in, but it's there. It's the water you swim in like a fish. It's just all around you. You don't even know it. And it has an effect on us, whether we realize it or not. It's an unworthy standard of truth. In the second week, we talked about Peter, who with the other disciples is in a boat, and Jesus comes walking by on the water. Peter's like, hey, if it's you, ask me to come to you. And he's like, all right, man, come on. <laughs> and Peter gets out there. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. He gets out there on the water, and then he's like, whoa, the wind is blowing. I picture him looking down and being like, there's fish under my feet, <laughs> you know? And his faith started to waver. He had a little doubt, and he started to sink. And he was like, Jesus, save me. And just like with Thomas, Jesus is like, yep, here's my hand. I got you. So awesome. We talked last week about three ways that Christianity has a firm foundation to build on. It's reasonable, reliable, and relatable. Right? It's reasonable to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. There's good evidence for it, historical evidence. Hundreds of eyewitnesses, for example. The Bible is historically verifiable. The more archaeologists work, the more they reinforce that the things that are in the Bible are real and true parts of history. It's cohesive. Imagine a book being written over thousands of years by different people in different cultures, and yet there's this cohesive, unified story of God's creation, how it's fallen, how he interacts with people in that fallen world, and how he slowly, patiently works a plan of redemption to put right what's gone wrong. And there's hundreds of prophetic words about who the Messiah would be, what he would be like when he came into the world, and Jesus fulfills them all. The odds are astronomical. <clears throat> the Bible's reliable. It's relatable. Our faith is so relatable because you read Hebrews 11, and the heroes of the faith are so messed up. Sometimes comically so. <laughs> Last week when I list some of the ways they were messed up, there was some laughter in a certain section of the room. But you know what? Our faith isn't based on other people. It's based on Jesus. And so it's okay. And that makes Christianity so relatable because I look at myself and I see my faults and failures and I'm not disqualified, right? You're not disqualified. No matter what mistakes you've made, Christianity is still for you because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And he wants to save you. Um, then we talked about three tools for renovation. I guess I like review. We're still covering last week. <laughs> we talked about three tools for renovation. Seek the truth. If you're renovating your faith, if you would identify yourself as a deconstructor, all right, seek the truth with all your heart. We compared it to being a stud finder in a home renovation. Find some truth to anchor to. 
Become a truth finder. Use the fear of the Lord or humility. It's reverence and awe for God is what fear of the Lord means. Don't get that one messed up. Renovate that idea in your mind. If you think of like vindictive God smiting, then renovate that idea a little bit. Awe and reverence for God that produces a humility in us. That's a good tool for renovation. Praise is weaponized faith in action, I said last week. And we, I found this cool uh, quote from a guy's writing. He said, praise evokes a world based on truth that there's one Lord. A world and one Lord, God, truth. And in doing that, it actually undoes and deconstructs all other worlds, all other Lords. All false gods crumble and fall when we praise the one true God. So that's where we've been. It's been pretty good. <laughs> it's been pretty good. So today, as we turn to Scripture, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Another example of Jesus at work in a similar way. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand again. Touch the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I love this passage. We could talk about it all day. But I thought, why don't we see it in action? You know, I like the Chosen series. It's not scripture, but it does a good job of trying to be faithful to portray scripture and bring it to life. So let's check out this scene from the Chosen. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can handle this disease. You Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Oh, my God. 
you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I, what can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I could watch that all day. <laughs> oh, man. That's Jesus, isn't it? That's Jesus. That's what I've been trying to portray with Thomas, Peter, and that's his heart toward you. The leper is fitting for what we're talking about. Um, he had two issues he was dealing with. One was his festering skin. You know, the, the portrayal there showed the wounds in his skin, and he came for healing. But the other was, you saw the disciples' reaction to him, right? He was ostracized from people, you know, they were all afraid to catch what he had. And so they wanted to stay away. They're like, Jesus, don't go near this guy. He's unclean. He's going to make you unclean. You're going to catch what he's got. Stay away. And so there were two things going on in his life that were so significant. And Jesus healed his body. And restored him to community. That's what that tunic thing was all about, right? Give him some clean clothes. Go show yourself to the priest. You're back in. I think that speaks well to those deconstructing in our culture, maybe here in the room today, right? I think there's a good chance if you're in that place, you feel twofold pain as well. You have individual hurts. Maybe the moral failure of Christian leaders has let you down and really hurt you. You know, the abusive Christians maybe have hurt you at some point along the way. The hypocrisy you see in the church. You've seen people give greater allegiance to a political party than to Jesus. And you're like, what the heck? What's up with that? Maybe a controlling family or church life hurt you growing up. <clears throat> That's a part of what's going on. And then there's this feeling of being on the outside looking in, right? Sometimes people have questions, doubts, and start bringing it up. It triggers people who aren't in that place. They don't realize it, but they're scared that their faith's going to waver or crumble, and so they do one of these, right? Maybe it's contagious. I don't want to catch that.
no good. <laughs> that needs to be renovated. That's not Jesus, right? If your faith is festering like the leper's skin, come to Jesus. He'll heal you. He'll renew you. If you're feeling like you're on the outside looking in, pushed away by the righteous, come to Jesus. He has compassion on you. You know what he does? He'll step into your world. He'll take you by the hand and he'll bring you into his. He was there for Thomas. He was there for Peter. He was there for the leper. And he is here for you. And I'd just like to say, so am I. Welcome here at New Day. It's okay to have questions and doubts, to not have it all figured out, because you're in good company. If we're honest with ourselves, none of us have it all figured out. What makes this a family isn't perfect faith, it's a perfect father. So, New Day will walk with you as a church family through thick and thin, through renovation, deconstruction, even if it's going and coming back, we're here for you, okay? It's important. And if you're not the one going through it, I'll going to be there for them. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> so a renovation, there's an unreliable motivating force behind renovation sometimes, and it's personal pain, Okay. If stuff happens like we just talked about, and then you use that as the motivating force for renovation, deconstruction, for questioning and pursuing answers, it's, it's unreliable. <clears throat> but it's a common trigger point for deconstruction. It is a common motivator for many. I picked that from people who talk to many going through it, not just my own idea, and I trust their word on it. One such uh, author, pastor, scholar says, most people don't deconstruct because of Christ. They deconstruct because of Christians. There's all kinds of church hurt out there. (laughs) It's real. It doesn't do any good to ignore it. It exists. But what you have to do with it is grieve it. Not ignore it, but grieve it. Bring it to Jesus. Let him heal it. Depending on the situation, you might have to go work it out with the person who hurt you as well. And church hurt can sort of cause some views to set in your cross, so to speak, in your mind, that need renovation. But hurt cannot be the driving force behind a healthy renovation. It's not a reliable motivator. You know, last week or the week before, we said we didn't want to let our feelings lead a renovation, and the same is true with pain. It's not a good leader. Think about it. If we let it lead, it will tell us to judge God based on that experience, which is judging God based on a misrepresentation of who he is by broken, misguided people. 
it's not a good leader. Or another way to say it, oh, get ahead of myself. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Hurt leads to overreaction and a defensive posture rather than truth a truth-seeking, open-minded posture. Easy for me to say. Let me try again. <laughs> Operating out of hurt leads to overreaction and a defensive posture rather than a truth-seeking, open-minded posture. <clears throat> A.J. Swoboda writes, The church has hurt a lot of people, but that doesn't mean we should do away with the church. The abuse of the church does not nullify the church's original call. I think that's so true. Sort of a baby with a bathwater situation, right? Hurt leads to overreaction. It says, let's burn the whole thing down sometime. And it's not the whole thing that was wrong. It's that, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to point at you guys over there. It's that thing. <laughs> that particular thing was wrong. That particular person misrepresented God. It doesn't mean the whole thing is broke. So the church fails. It's full of broken people. We acknowledge it. Sometimes they misunderstand scripture. Sometimes they even use it to hurt you. Um, but hurt is not a cause to leave the faith. It's a call to reconcile and renovate it. Hurt is not a cause to leave the faith. It's a call to reconcile and renovate it. Hurt might trigger a renovation for you, and that's okay. It's common. But don't be led by it. I hope that makes sense. Jesus called the church his bride and body, right? Husband and wife become one flesh, the Bible says. So Jesus and the church are one, his bride. It's his body. It's an extension of him into this world. And so if hurt leads you to leave the church, you're leaving Jesus. They are one. They are one. And sort of the... Social imaginary, the culture, deconstruction podcasts that are not faithful to scripture and to Jesus, um, say something counter to that. You know? They say you can still have Jesus but not have his church. Sorry, guys. You can't reject Marilee and have me. <laughs> We're one flesh. She's my best friend and my partner in life, right? We're a package deal. It's the same with Jesus and the church. Or in other words, don't let messed up people mess up your relationship with God. <laughs> Come on, preach it, Bill. All right, so what's a, a reliable motivator? A reliable motivating force for renovation is alignment with the truth, seeking the truth, like we've said, right? Rethinking Christian traditions, doctrines, and practices in order to make them better align with Scripture is great. We want to do that. Martin Luther famously confronted the Catholic Church in the 1500s. Does anyone else go to Martin Luther King Jr. when I say Martin Luther by accident? <laughs> That's why I said in the 1500s. Martin Luther, hundreds of years ago, right, confronted the Catholic Church. He's like, guys, you can't sell forgiveness of sins. Indulgences is not scriptural. He was motivated by a desire for truth and to align the church scripture. That's a good motivating force. Luther sparked a much needed renovation in his day. It was called the Reformation. 
Jesus does the same sort of thing, right? He calls people out on things that don't align with the truth of Scripture and the truth of God. The Pharisees are a frequent target of such (laughs) situations. So it's okay to call religious people and institutions back into alignment with the truth. That's what Jesus and Luther did. That's kind of the kind of renovation we're after, actually. You know, good motivation, grounded in truth, and let's make changes. That's good. We should all stand up for the truth. But I also have a caution for you. Don't fancy yourself a modern-day Martin Luther without first letting the truth of God's word reform your own heart, mind, and deeds. There's plenty of that on your favorite social media platform, right? Those who are quick to call out wrong all over the place and say it needs to reform, it needs to change, this is so wrong, it's so messed up, and just the hate spew on both sides of every issue, right? That's nonsense. Jesus says, start here first. Jesus says, where did I write it down? First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Another expression of that whole fear the Lord and humility thing, right? Start here first. Thinking of the Michael Jackson song all of a sudden, starting with the man in the mirror. (laughs) Anyone? Want to sing it? (laughs) I got a lot of yeses and one emphatic no. (laughs) I'm not going to sing it, Ray. (laughs) Jesus says start here first, you know? Start here first. Humility and the fear of the Lord are critically important tools for renovators. All right, so hurt, personal pain is an unreliable motivating force for renovation. It tends to reinterpret scripture to align with our feelings. It tends to overreact and take a defensive posture. But seeking the truth, alignment with truth, is a great motivating force for renovation. It helps renovate back into alignment with scripture we should be constantly doing. It's marked by humility and open mind and seeking the truth with a whole heart. That's what I want to do. All right. So what's good faith renovation look like? I just want to brag about some members of New Day for a minute. Did you know we have a young adults community group at New Day Community Church? Yeah, come on, young adults. (laughs) This group is a terrific example of faith renovation at its best. So I've talked to different, a couple of different people, right? And so my understanding, although I have yet to attend, maybe someday I'll get to be a guest friend there, but um, my understanding is they bring up questions, issues, topics, maybe it's doubts. I don't, I don't know, you know, what the different topics are. But often they, do, they bring it up and they go, well, here's what I've been told about that. And they start there. And they go, well, what's the Bible say? Does it say that? Does it say some other things? Let's go check it out. And they start checking it out. They sort of do this 360 degree around the topic together in conversation. And uh, a couple of people have said, I often land back where I started, but with a new confidence in what I believe. Awesome. And even, even if the message was, hey, I landed somewhere different than I started, I renovated a little bit but I know what I believe, and it aligns with Scripture. Great. That is so good. I love that. 
And I think some of the keys to their success is um, patience with that process, acceptance for one another. You know, they feel safe enough to be real about the question or to say some crazy stuff they heard or maybe they're, they're currently holding to. You know, you got to have room for that to bring it up and talk about it. And if it's no good, you can renovate it. It's all right. You can, you can talk like that here. That's an important key to their success. And then when they go to the Bible, they don't stop with the first proof verse, right? That's easy to do. It's called bad hermeneutics, to give a technical term to it. <laughs> Google, Google that later. <laughs> no offense, Herman, if you're listening. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> um, but the fruit of this group is they're building connection with one another, community. They're renovating their faith. And it is beautiful. Great job, you guys. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in other examples here in the New Day family, I see it happening um, in cross-generational ways, too, which are really cool. Um, you know, where old and young are together in, in the New Day family, being patient and loving with one another, hearing what's on each, each other's heart, without judgment, um, with love, support, humility, asking questions and drawing out what's going on with the other person, and that's really beautiful. Okay, so this morning, we read the Nicene Creed together. And um, I want to give you a couple of definitions for this last part of our message this morning. What's a creed? It's a set of foundational beliefs. And what does the word orthodox mean? I'm not sure if I've already used that term today. I don't think I have. Uh, But orthodox means conforming to established doctrine, okay? So creed is a set of foundational beliefs. Orthodox means conforming to set of foundational beliefs. <laughs> so to be an orthodox Christian is to confirm, confirm. Give me a moment. Words. Can I talk to you in binary for a minute? One, zero, 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 one. Just kidding. To be an orthodox Christian is to conform to the foundational beliefs of Christianity, which are summarized in the Nicene Creed, for example. Right? Does that make sense? To be an orthodox Christian is to conform to the foundational beliefs of Christianity. We have to say this in our day and age. (laughs) But it's kind of saying to be a Christian, you have to believe what Christians believe, right? (laughs) The basics, you got to have those down. Okay, so uh, in preparing for this series, one of the books that I uh, leaned on was called Set Adrift. It's written by a guy named Sean McDowell and his partner, um, John Marriott. Um, And Sean's story is meaningful to me. He grew up a Christian his whole life. His dad is a famous apologist, maybe one of the most influential in America since the, I don't know, 60s or whatever. Um, Interesting way to grow up, right? And he goes to college and he starts having some questions and doubts. He starts reading some message boards because that's what internet communication was called at that time when he was coming of age. And he's like, whoa, I never thought of this. And so he struggled with it. His dad was incredible. Such a cool testimony, you guys. He told his dad, he's like, I'm having some doubts. I don't know. And I don't know where I'm going to land, dad. And his dad was like, okay, yeah, seek the truth. Your mom and I have taught you that. I'm confident that you'll find it because I believe in you and because I believe in God and his word. Let me know how I can help in your process. Like, whoa, what a great dad. What a great example for us as we serve as renovation guides for one another. 
So anyways, the book, <laughs> the book, we're going to be here all day if I just start <laughs> telling you my favorite stories. The book, he wrote it because he was like, man, this is the book I wish I had when I was going through that. So if you're going through it, I recommend Set Adrift. It's a great, great book. Um, there's a lot of others. There's a lot of great podcasts. Check out Bridgetown Church. They have a lecture series on deconstruction. Um, I recommend that one as well. <clears throat> or there's a podcast called, he went with the confrontational title, <laughs> Death to Deconstruction. His name's Joshua S. Porter. He wrote a book and has a podcast on that too. So a couple of sources that I checked out, recommend for you here in passing. Where were we? Okay, the quote. <laughs> that was all to set up a quote. Salvation isn't a matter of passing a theology exam. That's important. <laughs> Salvation isn't a matter of passing a theology exam, but there are some beliefs that you can't deny and still be re rightly related to Jesus or called a Christian. Again, we have to say this in this day and age, right? <laughs> it's not about, you don't have to go learn everything. There is to know about Christianity and doctrine and history and hermeneutics or whatever. Um, but there are some core beliefs here, guys. And to deny those is to leave the faith. That's what he's saying. You know, or if you go, hey, these are the foundational beliefs. If you pick one that's outside of that, or you deny one that's in it, you're building on a different foundation. It's not Christianity. It's something else. That's the point I'm trying to make. <clears throat> not to be mean. <laughs> it's just a fact. Just a fact. It is what it is, and it's not what it's not. Um, <clears throat> similarly, to disregard clear biblical teachings on morality is to leave Christianity. Okay? That's really common today, too. There's, there's some things that are disputed. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. There's some disputed things about how you interpret Scripture and apply it and what it means for living life, your view of morals. But there's some core stuff that's just really clear. And to go, well, I'm going to go with culture on this one, is to leave Christianity. It's just what it is. Right? And so it's good to be clear about that. I loved, I, I loved your song choice this morning, Audrey. That song that says, it's, I think it says, it's so, so simple. And I was blown away by that, thinking about this stuff. Right? Like, our world is so muddy sometimes. Does it feel, if it feels muddy to you sometimes, raise your hand so I know I'm not alone. Okay. Wow. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it feels muddy everywhere to everyone, apparently. And um, that's why I bring this up. There's, there can be clarity. It's not so muddy, actually. <laughs> like, for 2,000 years, people have agreed on this core stuff. That Nicene Creed was, we show the uh, date, 325 AD, it sort of found another form in 381, no matter which date you pick, that's a long time ago, right? What is that? Somebody do the math. 1,800 years? 1,800 years, people have said, this is what Christianity is. And now in the last 20, we, people are saying it's something different. It doesn't have to be muddy. <laughs> people have figured this out for 2,000 years. <clears throat> Okay, so moral realignment and flexible self-made spirituality mark our culture and the deconstruction phenomenon. Does that make sense? Moral realignment. Hey, here's what the Bible says, but I'm kind of, you know, doing one of these. 
for him picking one of those. I'm going to move out one of these. Moral realignment and self-made spirituality, right? This is so common. Have you met anyone who says, well, I believe in God, but I'm not a Christian. I'm spiritual. So common, right? <clears throat> That's what's going on. And so while some who maybe deconstruct are clear, you know, like they're hurt and they, they choose to go. They deconvert, they leave Christianity and they're clear about it. There's a whole lot more of the muddiness where people are like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't go to church, right? Or the pick and choose, the flexibility, the shifting based on current uh, moral intuition. Um, it, it happens at the individual level, the level of churches, you know, like in such and such building on such and such street, and even denominational levels, this is going on, <clears throat> where scripture is being reinterpreted by those groups. You know, they're forming non-Orthodox moralities and even stop recognizing Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life the source of salvation, the one and only Jesus. That's happening. And so it's good to read the creed every month. <laughs> um, let's put it another way from the book. The word Christian stands for something specific. A person can call their unique set of beliefs Christian all they want, but if it differs from the core apostolic teaching, doing so will not make it Christian any more than calling a cat, dog, will make it bark it's something else you know if that's where you're at okay we love you come worship with us join my community group i'd love to hear more about that um but it's just it's not christianity it's something else and you can say hey i'm doing something else i'll have a conversation with you about that hopefully i can be like jesus to you and show you love and compassion and tell you what i believe too so have a conversation christianity means something objectively is what i'm trying to say but there's also a vast space within orthodoxy. So in the book, they write, think of it like a pasture. I, it helps me maybe to think of it like a cattle ranch or something. A big property that does have fence lines, right? The Nicene Creed it form, helps form the fence line. Inside of this fence is what Christianity is. There's a lot of space in there to roam around and eat some grass like a cow or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of different Christians, churches, and denominations that fit squarely within orthodoxy but disagree with each other about how to interpret issues inside the fences. So, you know what? Explore it a little bit. It's all right. Ask some questions. See how people answer those questions. You can stick to the orthodox belief that Jesus will return, but go see how people think it will happen and what sort of timing they think it'll happen. You know, there's, that's a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> Don't get lost in it. <laughs> but there's a lot of space within orthodoxy there, you guys. There are denominations who over it, right? You can stick to the orthodox belief that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as one God, created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1. But you can go explore how different Christians explain how they think God created it, on what timeline, 
And there's different views that are orthodox, that are faithful, that are trying their best to align with the truth. Does that make sense? One more example. It's orthodox. Salvation comes through Jesus alone. But what role does my will and choice have in it? What role does the sovereignty of God have in it? It is debated, sometimes hotly debated. You can go watch one of those debates on YouTube. You can land here or there, and you're welcome at New Day, guys. Isn't it fun to be able to say that? <laughs> it is for a pastor. <laughs> it's all right. It's orthodoxy. We can worship together. And you know what? The cool thing about it is we can, on a, on a weekly basis, we often do it from the stage, but when we pray as a, like MC and whoever's preaching for the week, some of the pastoral staff gather before church every Sunday, and we pray for the other churches in Kalamazoo. Orthodox churches who love and are following Jesus, but they worship different than we do. Or they think something different within the Orthodox defense line than we do. And we say, God bless them. We pray they'd have all the resources they need to do what you've called them to do in this community. This morning I prayed it. Gosh. Now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I prayed it. I saw them like, I saw them like trees. You know, just putting their roots down into life-giving Jesus and growing up tall and strong. And all the different trees around the city, different churches from different beliefs inside Orthodoxy, they formed a forest, you know? Man, provide food for the hungry, shade for those who are feeling scorched. Okay. <laughs> Let me wrap this thing up. Where am I? <clears throat> okay. So there's a lot of space. Here's the key. Hold your beliefs with an open hand and a humble heart. All right? Stay orthodox, guys, please. Stay orthodox. <laughs> if you're not sure if it's orthodox or not, let's go study it together. And you can pick a belief. You can even have a strong opinion on it. That's okay. But hold it with an open hand and a humble heart. I was really impacted years ago when Pastor Cameron said, I learned to be humble with my interpretations of Scripture because over the years, some of them changed a little bit. That's wisdom. That's experience talking. And now I've started to see that as I get older, where I used to think this, I think that, and I expect more of it. And so I'm not going to beat somebody up when I disagree with them about something within orthodoxy. I might change my mind. Talk about red in the face, right? So it's okay. Collect your beliefs. Be orthodox. Let love and humility lead the way. Okay, in closing, I'll say this. Several things, because that's what we do. I've enjoyed this series with you guys. I've, I've seen and felt your engagement all three weeks as I talk to you about this stuff. The gears are turning, and I love it. Keep, up, keep it up in your conversations with one another and your friendships and your community groups. Faith renovation is essential. It's ongoing, right? We're constantly going, where's the truth of Scripture? God, help me see it better. Help me get closer to that. And I'm going to keep going forward, and I'm bringing my friends with me. <clears throat> but if you have questions doubts or disbelief you're in good company jesus closest guys thomas and peter you're feeling hurt pain like you're ostracized you're in good company with the leper jesus sees it he sees you he hears you he has compassion on you he comes close in the midst of it all and he offers extended hands to heal help and save good to ask questions. 
important to go to the right place for answers. He's the right place. I want to give you a prayer that you can pray as you're going through renovations, all right? Father God, I commit to seek the truth no matter the cost. Jesus, I need your help. Will you meet me in the midst of it? I'm confident if you pray that and you follow through on your end of that bargain, (laughs) you will find Jesus in the midst of doubt, disillusionment, and disbelief. And you'll join Thomas and Peter and the leper and me on the other side in joyful praise of the God who saved you. Amen. Thank you. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's, can you just put that prayer back up and we'll just close by standing and praying that out loud together. But I just feel like he's really covered the gamut and we can all apply something really specifically to our lives. And so I just want to give, um, I'm going to pray over you and give a few moments of silence for you just to think. It's so easy to think about oh, this person I know would really benefit from hearing this, and this applies to that situation in my path. Let's just center right now and ask the Father, you know, what are you pinpointing for me today? All right? So I just bless you, Father. I bless the people in the room. And Would you just reveal to them right now as they listen and wait which part of this is for them that you would have them um, really apply to their life? Thank you, Lord, for speaking individually to us today. Help us to uh, take this and apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to pray this, but first, Kathy had um, has a, a word of knowledge about someone here today. So would you just share that? Um, during the song about going back to Eden, um, I just felt like there was a... Um, so, Someone here may have, like, when you first got saved, you just, like, believed Jesus. You had you were full of faith and full of trust. And then, you know, like many of us, we think that everything's going to be perfect now, right? Everything in my life's going to go great. Some of you chuckle because you're like, yeah, that's not how it happens. But do you remember feeling that way? And then the hits come, you know, and life gets hard. And you, it's like you take a hit after a hit after a hit. And slowly what happens is your faith goes, yeah, God isn't really there for me. He doesn't really help me. And so I just felt like today the Lord was saying, I see your pain. I know what you've been through and I haven't left you. I want to renew your faith. I want to renew your trust in me because it's not about your circumstances. It's about our relationship and I've never left you. And so if that's you today, um, yeah, I just feel like the Lord is, is just saying, I know what you've been through, 
and I want to just cover you with my wings, just swoop you up like a mother hen and, and just care for you. And, um, and if you'd like more prayer afterwards, I would be happy to pray with you. That's good. Yes. All right. Let's pray this together. Father God, I commit to seek the truth, no matter the cost. Jesus, I need your help. Will you meet me in the midst of it? Oh, and he's so faithful to do that. Just like Jesus said to the leper, I am willing. So I hear him saying that to us today. All right. Well, in closing, as we dismiss, I want you to know that the prayer team will be available up in this corner if you want to get some prayer for whatever need, physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, anything, come on up and they will pray for you. Otherwise, enjoy fellowship with one another. And um, next week, next Sunday, we'll start a brand new series called The Lord is One. And I'll be uh, sharing the sermon next week. You are dismissed.